insurance agents from around the world. Welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Glovebox. God, I love Glovebox. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Mobile, Alabama, parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm good. You know, it's interesting when we do these podcast marathons in the beginning, it's so you're so excited to uh-huh. get going uh-huh. and get in there and, and chop it up. Right. And then once we hit kind of the the top of the bell curve uh-huh. and we've got a few episodes left, it's like we're almost home. We're almost done. Well, it, you know? what's funny, I was just thinking to myself, I've done that opening so many times in yeah. the last two days that I don't really, it's kind of like when you're driving and you just end up at home. Yeah. That's what it felt like right then. I've done it so many times that I didn't even think about it. Yeah. Uh, Bradley. Kind of like when you're a kid and you fall asleep on the couch and you teleport to your bed and you don't know how you got there. Exactly. Yeah. Bradley, give all 250,000 of the insurance agents listening to this right now an update. Uh-huh. The last I heard, and I waited to get on this podcast to ask you this. Okay. Where are you at with building a new house? Oh, I, I knew we had mm. broken ground. We'd done some things, preliminary work. Where are you at with that now? We have cleared the land. Okay. Um, cleared, check. We have pissed off all the neighbors, check. pissed off all the neighbors, yep. uh, or one of the neighbors. I'm actually going to that church tonight. That's where that thing I've got to go to tonight is. Um, About right. Yeah. Uh, it's a long story, Brad. So in Al- I don't know how it works in other places, but in Alabama, because we have all of the hurricane fortification stuff right it has to go to engineering and the plans have to be engineered to hurricane specs and that sort of thing so where we are now i would love to give everyone more of an update but where we are now we have our plans our drawings but they are in engineering we are told we were told two weeks it has been nine weeks Mm. um to which my my lovely bride is very frustrated and i I told her yesterday i said look in every step of the process is going to be like this Mm -hmm. you just might as well get used to it that's basically where we are so you haven't done the thing yet where y'all are going out once or twice a week to review the work that's been done on Mm -hmm. the house and the foundations in and they're putting the they're, the the framers are there yeah. framing. Yeah, you're, you're no, not but there. But that's going to probably be an everyday kind of thing because it's within walking distance of where I live now. Right. So I'm probably just going to swing by there every day on my way home from work and just see what was accomplished, which is going to piss everybody off. But you know how it goes. Are you self-performing and meaning you're, are you no. hiring your own subs or are you hiring a GC? No, we hired a GC. Okay. I'd I'm rather pay more money and, and not have to handle that part of it. Sure. Guys, our mission on this podcast never changes. Every week, we are trying desperately to help you agents any way we can. I am very blessed today to have a rock star on here. I say it all the time. Successful people leave breadcrumbs. They leave a resume of success. And the gentleman that I have on this podcast today is no different. He has, uh, throughout his life, left a, a resume of success. And I want to give him the introduction that he's always deserved. He was born and raised in Palos Park, Illinois, and he currently resides in Homer Glen, Illinois. He is married to the beautiful Courtney, and they have two beautiful babies, Evan, aged eight, and Avery, aged six. And I have a special message for Evan and Avery. 
you will not care anything about listening to this podcast today, but I will promise you this. It is going to live in perpetuity. One day when you're older, you're going to hear this podcast and you're going to be so proud of your daddy and what he's accomplished in his life. And you should be. He's a graduate of Loyola University of Chicago with a BBA in finance. And he got his MBA from the University of Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many Notre Dame graduates we've had on here. I don't know. He was a Division I All-American volleyball athlete in college. Again, resume of success, right? Breadcrumbs. In college and spent a short period of time in Colorado Springs, Colorado, training with the U.S. national team. I have a friend of mine that did that with track. One of my, uh, we went to kindergarten together. And here's the, I like this one. For a short time, he held a PNC producer license. I like that. It's important. Absolutely. He has spent over 14 years in the insurance technology space. He has, he went from shift technology, a unicorn insure tech, where he served as head of America's and led GTM for North, Central, and South American markets. We want to talk about that. I want to talk about that today. Prior to that, he worked as VP of sales and marketing for InsureSoft. I remember them. Mm -hmm. And head of sales at Hearsay Systems. Today, he leads the business development team and strategic partnerships effort at Openly. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you first-time guest on the IGP, Mr. Brad Staub. How are you, Brad? Doing well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Man, uh, you talk about a legacy and a, and a resume of success. Let's just stop right now. The effort, the work, the time commitment. First of all, I want to thank your parents because I know somebody somewhere pushed you through this volleyball thing. Uh, we're big I love, in vo I love playing volleyball. Uh, volleyball at Huntsville High School, where I'm at, is a full time job. My son is baseball player at Huntsville High School. They've got two or three pitchers in the major leagues. They've, you know, every week a kid's committing to a different school. The time commitment for both parents and kid that's playing that sport is unbelievable. So thanks, Mom and Dad, for getting Brad to that point because <laughs> I know it was a lot. So no talk doubt. to us no talk doubt. to us a little bit about being a Division One athlete and All-American in volleyball. I want to hear about this. So interestingly enough, uh, I was a walk-on at Loyola, and uh, and I had the opportunity at a coach that was uh, pushed me a lot, and I had a lot of good mentors in that program. But I think the key is the only way I was able to honestly become an All-American is by my team. We had an amazing team, right? right. And uh, I was surrounded by a lot of talented athletes, and without them, it wouldn't have been possible. So mostly a function of them, and we we worked hard together and we played hard together i understand well. <laughs> i understand talk to getting my delorean with me brad i want to go back in time you have achieved a lot in the insure tech space and in the insurance industry I, i'm wildly interested based on your experience and where you sit today in the position you're at with openly in a, a lot of different things relative to that but before we get to that take us back in time and just Get in my DeLorean and talk a little bit about how you got started in the industry and just kind of bring us up to today. Yeah. Um, so it, it, like most things in life, I had a, a, a former boss of mine who was one of my mentors who uh, had a friend. And in fact, what I don't have on that list of resume is that I joined a startup that was not in the space. And uh, we 
ultimately were not successful. So I was out looking for something new and wanted to choose uh, a path where there would be an opportunity for a younger individual who is sort of driven. And I came on the insurance space and I thought, wow, like requires a ton of innovation, requires, and there's a total, it's a big enough opportunity in landscape to where you can go and solve things and grow a career and just slow and behind at the time. And so I'm like, okay, we'll give it five years, join this industry. And in five years, this it's going to take off and so forth. I think we're finally there now, mm. 14 years later, where <laughs> you finally have the technology catching up. You finally have the investment capital from the outside coming into the space. And uh, what the unintended consequence of joining this industry and what I didn't realize at the time, though, is how incredibly great an industry it is. And you don't realize the impact that you can have on people's lives being involved in this industry. So that's something that I'll likely probably never leave this industry. It's just a lot of really good people. And we and the fundamental products that are offered are good. They protect mm. people. They protect people's lives. And that is, it's sort of a beautiful thing. It's something we don't talk about enough, Brad. And I said this on a, we did some kind of content the other day. Insurance is a noble career. It's a noble industry. We don't, we don't, we don't do a good enough job of talking about mm. that. I mean, you have a house fire. The only person you want to talk to, other than your friends or family, is the insurance guy who comes or gal who comes to bring you a check. It's the only we make people whole during those situations. Correct, all the time, and it happens where where it's the most stark is the hurricane that just hit down in Florida in Fort mm -hmm. Myers. Yeah. Louisiana, the wildfires out west. I don't think people, the general public, fully understands that if it wasn't for insurance, there would be a lot of communities that you go into where you can see the revitalization and the rebuild has happened. I, I've seen it in, in Alabama, uh, across places like Tuscaloosa, where that enormous tornado, which it comes down right down University Boulevard, which was a heavily populated area. Well, you go through there today, everything's brand new. Every house is brand new. Every apartment looks brand new. Well, the reason they look brand new is they all got replaced and paid for through insurance mm -hmm. uh, April 27th, 2011. And you can see that all across the country. You'll see that in the next three years in Fort Myers, Florida. That place will look almost brand new and you go, Insurance did that. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't if it had not been for insurance, those places would be ghost towns. Those mm -hmm. areas, you could probably still see the tornado track mm -hmm. because people just wouldn't have the money to rebuild that seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar house or that uh, mm -hmm. uh, that uh, apartment complex or whatever. So I think it's lost on a lot of people. And Bradley and I, one of our triggers is when people on social media start talking about what a scam insurance is. Mm -hmm. because of what I just said, mm -hmm. right? People, uh, you see people talk about, well, insurance is a scam. They didn't pay my claim, blah, 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 blah. Overall, and I'm painting with a big brush. I agree with you that insurance is a noble career and what we do helps. Mm -hmm. It helps It helps the whole country. Right. Whether, Brad, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. It's, uh, it's a beautiful place to, to be in an industry that helps put people's lives right. And interestingly enough, Scott, what's, what's interesting is that my office at InsureSoft, we had an office in Tuscaloosa. Okay. And I flew in, I think, two weeks after that, that hurricane came in, or sorry, the, the tornado. Uh -huh. And 
Oh my gosh, this is a devastation. <laughs> it was incredible. And then to see communities building back up, mm-hmm. binding together, and again, protecting people. And you can't replace some of those things, of course, but sure. you can, you know, we're no, we're again in a noble industry where you can protect. And unfortunately, the other view I have is like insurance gets a bad rep rap from people in general in the sense that the marketing message from large carriers is price, 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 price. Correct. And I think what's the beauty about what you all do from from an advisor perspective is have that conversation with an insured of, hey, what protection do you need Mm -hmm. and what's the right product for you? And it's not always based on price. Mm -hmm. And um, and yeah, and that's that's another big area where you talk about trigger words too. I'm the same with people like, oh, the industry is so bad. It's like, no, actually it's fundamentally good. (laughs) Right. Well, you also, you also have a lot of, of these, these people on say TikTok that they're trying to make a video to get views. They're trying to make a video that jostles you. Correct. So that it gets your attention and you comment, right? There was one I saw last night where a guy, it was a, it was an injury attorney and he was talking about the three, it was one of these blood sucking injury attorneys. Right. And he was talking about their the three best insurance companies. And he gave three companies and three reasons. And he was talking about auto insurance. Mm-hmm. And he said USAA, Travelers, and Safeco. Mm-hmm. And of course, you have to consider he's an injury attorney. So he's going to name the three that are the easiest to bow down to injury attorneys. Right. Let's be honest. But the USAA reason I got, he talked about claims, but then the two reasons he gave for Safeco and Travelers is that they offer multiple products and they bundle. And I'm like, this dude doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just making this video for views. So you have to consider that when these idiots get on social media and say insurance is a scam. Well, A, you're making that video for views. And B, you probably somewhere along the way didn't do something right as the customer of that insurance company to cause that claim not to be paid. Let's just be honest. You withheld something or you were so price conscious that you cut corners and caused a situation where something wasn't paid. And and I will say this about consumers, 99.99999% of consumers do not read their insurance contract. Mm-mm. And in their mind, it's kind of like full, you know, the old thing about full, what is full coverage, yeah. right? Yeah. Everybody thinks they just full coverage means whatever happens to me, if I'm in a car, it's going to be paid for. And I think same with homeowners insurance. I've been pay- here. How many thousands of times have we as agents heard the old line? I've been paying my premiums for the past 10 years. Get, I need a new roof. Get me a new roof. They don't understand the insurance contract. They haven't read their contract. They don't understand. I, I would say the biggest fallacy of the consumer is I have a lot of clients that seem to think their homeowner's insurance policy is a maintenance program for their house. Mm, yeah. And well, when did the loss occur? Well, hell, it doesn't matter. I've been paying my insurance premiums. And I need a new roof or I need a new this, or I need a new that. Mm-hmm. That is not the way this works, guys. It's just not, that's not the, that's not the insurance contract. You have to have a direct physical loss to occur in order for that contract to kick in, it's not just a, well, 15 years old, need a new roof, Scott, give me a new roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see that a lot. So I think it's kind of a blend of everything Bradley and I just mentioned. I think there's a lot of things there, but 
Brad, I want to talk to you today about a lot of things, but let's talk. Uh, well, let's go back because you said, you know, was with InsureSoft in Tuscaloosa that you were there two weeks before the tornadoes hit. Uh, I, I don't think we've quite gotten up to openly yet. I'll let you continue. Yeah, no, yeah. So I, I joined. So we, I was uh, wanted to get in this industry. Landed my uh, my former boss and mentor introduced me to the CEO at the time of InsureSoft and uh, joined joined them. Ended up running sales and marketing for them, and that was core systems. So think of like you know policy billing, claim systems for insurance companies. Um, learned a ton in that role, and and spent a lot of time with a, a lot of different carriers. Um, which is great, great learnings in that in that process. And then I joined a company. I wanted to expand the wings a little bit and join a startup. I wanted to get into the startup world, and and uh, so I joined a company called Hearsay Systems, based Here's out of San Francisco, Hearsay California. Social, yeah, Hearsay Social. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so many many agents that were maybe captives before uh, know Hearsay Social very well. What happened to Hearsay Social? I'm just asking. Still I don't around, know. I think they're right? still they're still around for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yep. They, uh, it's a good product for, I mean, yeah. yeah. And, and they, they expanded, uh, they have, I don't know all the products they have now, but, uh, at the time they had social, they had websites and then texting as well for captives. And, uh, so that was great. That was a very fast growing company. And I ended up running. They, they timed it just right. It was right. It was the right time. It was perfect sure. timing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then wanted to do my own thing. Um, sort of when I say my own thing, it was, um, build from the ground up. And right. so I joined a company out of Paris, France called shift technology. Wow. Uh, and we did that and, um, Wait, shift oh, technology is that, what is that? That's not the, there's a shift technology, which is like a, a car type, uh, yeah. sharing plan. Not that we were claims automation and fraud detection for the insurance gotcha. carrier space. Yeah. And uh, yeah, grew that a ton. Ended up ended up being before I left. We ended up raising a bunch of money and uh, had unicorn status, which was pretty cool. And I got the call from from a recruiter for for openly. And I'd always had this thing in the back of my mind when I was at Shift of like distribution disruption uh, and working with agents and agencies and what that might look like. It was always intriguing to me because I always enjoyed time in the field and working with our. Our, uh, my customers at Hearsay. And so I got the call. I'm like, why are they calling me? Sort of like, huh, this is interesting. And then had conversations with leadership at Openly and really, really, um, I've been, what's it, that's my fifth, fourth, fifth startup. And the leadership team that is at Openly is outstanding, really solid, very mature, very sophisticated leaders. And um, and then just was intrigued by the the go to market motion, in which we're trying to sort of solve at at openly. Uh, and kept having conversations, was more intrigued, and and uh, I'm very very happy I'm here and glad I get to spend time with all the agents on the call. <laughs> I'll talk a little bit about what your role is at openly because I know there's people wondering that right now. Sure. Yeah. So I run effectively distribution. So my team, I, I, we have a team of agency success managers who manage relationships with agency partners. We have uh, an acquisition team that looks, you know, sort of dial for dollars, calls prospective agency partners, and we get agencies 
uh, appointed, do some due diligence in that process, of course, making sure we're appointing the right agency partners. And uh, and, and so, yeah, basically running distribution with, uh, with our agency force. So I had an interesting situation happen last week. I'm going to tell you about this, Brian. Right. I, I find this comical. So uh, we wrote, we, we write a lot of openly in my agency. You're, you're welcome, by the way. Thank, thank you, sir. Um, <laughs> we, we write a lot of openly. And we wrote our first celebrity client last week, uh, moving from Los Angeles to another state. There was a referral partner relationship with somebody where there was another agent involved that also quoted openly. And you wrote jelly rolls insurance. Uh exactly. And so I will say this person that we wrote has been on a number of episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So that's pretty cool. But I won't go into the the long story here. But so a good friend of mine who's an adjuster is is friends with the celebrity couple that are buying this house, and they kind of tasked him to help them like navigate the insurance waters. So what we end up with is a quote from I Protect Insurance from Openly, and a quote from this other agency that was about half of what our quote was. And that agent, you know, I I saw the quote that they that they put together from Openly. And my buddy called me and he said, uh, well, I'm just going to call this agent, talk to him because his quote was a thousand dollars cheaper than ours. Cause it was just not the policy that we put together. And he calls the guy and he calls me, and my friend calls me back and he says, well, Scott, this guy's telling us that he understands the house is underinsured by about a million dollars, but the openly policy coverage a will cover you up to $5 million in coverage a. And I said, Darren, let me ask you a question. You seem like a pretty smart guy. Do you really believe that openly is stupid enough to let all these agents out there writing openly just underinsure every house that they insure uh, because there's $5 million in coverage A? Or do you think they might send an inspector out there who is then going to turn right back around and you know revalue that underinsured and then openly is going to send them a bill for about double what they paid at closing. Which one of those two do you think is going to happen? <laughs> and, uh, he was like, Oh, uh, hold on. And 30 minutes later, they took our policy out and went with us. So I'm just telling you that story because I found it kind of humorous that this kid was trying to, uh, you know, he was, he was, he was admitting what he had done, but then using that $5 million coverage, uh, as part of the contract as a way to underinsure somebody. And you and I both know that that's, that's not how that works, right? That's right. And we have, uh, interestingly enough, systems in place to validate uh, Correct. <laughs> such instances of, of uh, manipulation. But um, yeah. yeah, so yeah. That, was a, that was a good policy to get, though. I'm, I'm proud to have those people on board with us. And the openly product is so easy to quote. I like it so much because your client, Brad, is my client. I want the higher higher value home. I want the professional. I want the person that has three or four vehicles and, you know, a 750 to a million and a half dollar home and doesn't have time every month to pour over their insurance, right? They they trust that I think the openly client is probably more geared for a risk advisor and somebody to really lean on as my partner in insurance rather than the guy that runs in and wants a, a non-standard auto policy. Get, mm -hmm. So you go get a car tag, right? That That's not who we want to write in our agency. 
So I really like the openly product and it's, it, we sell a lot of it. You sure yeah, do. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you to all the agents listening for the partnership. Talk, yes. talk a little bit about the reinsurance market that we're dealing with right now hmm. and, and kind of what you guys, how, how that's been for you guys, what you guys are doing to navigate that, those waters and, and kind of what the future is for openly in that regard. Yeah. I mean, we, we know it's like, it was the hardest market reinsurance market in 75 something years or something like that. And for the insure tech space, it's in particularly difficult in the sense that you have some that haven't been so successful and have not so great of combined ratios. And that hurts That hurts by association. But one of the things that I think, again, from a leadership standpoint, and I, I don't want to speak out of turn for my colleagues in product and our reinsurance lead, but we've done a really good job of making sure the right controls are in place to where we are writing the right policies and that we are having the correct product stance. And that's, I think, an area that the space is realizing more and more, not in insure tech space from a carrier standpoint, um, insure tech space in general, is that the you need product expertise. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just go out and say, oh, we're going to solve everything with technology because that's right. one piece of the component in, in capability. You need to build really slick technology but it's more of a function to solve the insurance product challenge, which is how do you become a profitable organization to have long-term sustainability and are able to offer additional products in the future uh, and, and be able to do that again in a sustainable competitive right. advantage way. And so back on your question on the reinsurance side, it's a very tough market overall, but what we've been able to prove is that we do have a lot better than average uh, market uh, statistics that would give us a little bit of an advantage there. Overall, though, the like the global reinsurance market is yeah, it's like the hardest market it's been in seventy five years. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's yeah. it's not easy. And and we, what we, we we've done is hired somebody specifically focused in this area mm-hmm. for us that comes from the space. He's been in the industry for what fifteen plus years. Um, and he's helping us navigate and connect with the right folks and make sure we have the right systems and, and brokers in place as well to help us with that. Well, in the 20, I don't want to say old school because it wasn't that long ago, but the 2016, 2017, 2018 InsureTech was, hey, the front end is going to be really slick, right? It's going to be really quick and easy to get a quote. And then the back end, we're going to operate like a traditional insurance company. And then, and I'm not speaking about openly, but then... We're also just going to undercut everybody price-wise. That way we can write a bunch of business and put ourselves in a really bad spot with our reinsurers. Right. Right. I remember there was an insure tech I was dealing with that was exactly that. And I sent them an email and asked if they could send me my commission statement in a CSV file. They're like, oh, we don't have the ability to do that. I'm like, what do you mean? Like your technology, like, well, we can't do that. And so I think it's important to have all three of those sides, right? Good front end, good back end, and then manage the actual insurance side of things correctly, because if you can't write profitable business, it doesn't matter how quick and easy you do it. It's not going to work out. And, and that's what I think has happened with this reinsurance market is, is exposed some of those players who are not necessarily doing it the right way. I agree. Yeah. From a distribution standpoint, what are some things you guys are working on? Let's talk about that a little bit since that's more kind of your arena. Yeah. So from a distribution standpoint, we, we, we continue to double down and triple down. Our only market is through the insurance agent, right? That is where we will distribute. We're not going to go direct. We, we 
Again, you've heard Ty, I think he was on your podcast talking about why we do that. And that will continue to be our long-term play. And as such, we continue to invest in our agency partners. So we continue to make investments in the portal experience, making it easy for you all to do business. Like we just released a capability where you can see your renewals right in front of you, which I know seems like pretty pretty basic, but it's a sort of a beautiful view that no other carrier is doing today or no other company is doing in the market today where you can see uh, term over term uh, rate to, to allow you to look at what's up, what's upcoming and, and what allow you to get in front of those customers. Because it is a crazy market from a from an inflation standpoint as well, as we know, like the 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 market is overall, it's just a, a crazy time to be in the space. But yeah, so we continue to make investments in the portal experience, making sure it's easy. And then in the, from an infrastructure perspective, we're spending a lot of time building more, call it scalable guts that allow us to do some more interesting things. And that's about the extent I'll leave it right now. Come on, Brad. <laughs> interesting things with our with some of our strategic partners to where it'll make it more efficient for them to interact with us through different ways. So cool. I'll leave it there for right now. Hey, Brad, I need your help. Yeah. Here's where I need you to help me. So Bradley and I need to get Oprah Winfrey Rich. <laughs> Because I want a helicopter and Bradley wants a private island in the Caribbean. <laughs> and you've been with all of these uh, insure techs over the years. You've got a good flavor from an industry perspective of what's out there. You, you, you know, I could probably throw out just about every insure tech's name out there and you could give me an elevator oh, pitch on who they are. I'll give you a better one. Huh? I spoke at an event that he was at uh-huh. and I gave an example of a conversation I had with an InsureTech CEO and redacted the name. Uh-huh. And when I got off stage, he said, was it blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> and it was, he was exactly right. You remember that? I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so here's my question, Bradley, you need to listen to this because you're going to be the one to come up with this for me. Where's the white space at the insurance tech mm. insure tech part of this? Where's the white space? What area seems to be the most neglected in the insure tech space? Now, when I think about it, there's a lot of insure techs that are doing the whole, you know, create a policy and sell the policy, their online direct or through the agency force. There seems to be a lot of like uh, helping agents with like automation, marketing, branding, that kind of stuff, uh, social media stuff. There are a lot of AMS systems, a lot of CRM systems, but what's the white space, guys? Like, what what do you think, Bradley? Bradley's over here smiling like a Cheshire cat. Risks with hair on them, whether it be catastrophic areas. You know, my my big joke that I used to tell Brad is, hey, we're an insure tech. We're going to change the insurance industry. Okay, what are you selling? We're going to sell renter's insurance in Ohio. <laughs> You're not solving any problem selling renter's insurance in Ohio. Right. They, right? they got it covered, guys. Uh, I think it's more difficult risks, you know, whether it be coastal homeowners or, you know, California homeowners or Massachusetts, what, you know, areas that are a little bit more difficult and props to openly for writing coastal business. Right. But I think there's an opportunity there. I think there's an opportunity in auto insurance. Mm. There's one InsureTech auto carrier, two InsureTech auto carriers that I can think of. I think both of them are doing a fair job, but not really grabbing any market share. Mm. And then the third area I think that there's an opportunity is in middle market, larger commercial. Okay. 
I think there's enough spread there that if somebody is willing to tackle that, they can create opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's what I see. And then I'll add a fourth in there. You know, embedded insurance is still going to be a thing, right? right? That it we slowed down talking about it because I think just this economy is mm-hmm. is kind of preventing that. But I think more solutions that allow agents to use embedded insurance to their advantage. Yeah. That's that's what I see. But I'm I'm interested to hear what Brad has to say. Yeah, and I'm going to take a little bit of a different sort of lens. It's I just listened to the Freakonomics podcast, not to over index no, on that, means. given that I'm on a podcast. But and Michael Lewis was interviewed uh, talking about Moneyball, mm-hmm. and he talks about the statistics behind baseball and how that fundamentally changed the game. Um, so my my lens is that the company or solutions that will leverage data in the most efficient way will win. And I, that I was having very broad brushstroke of a concept on a construct there, but that can be across distribution. That can be across risk understanding that can be literally across all those dynamics. And part of that is leveraging the next wave of computational computing that will allow that to become very efficient. So quantum computing is just in the infancy. I hate buzzwords, but like, somebody that can tap into that lever and then having the data and access to data to make those decisions will become very, very unique and valuable. And then the second part is, uh, Bradley talked about embedded insurance. Um, I think that's that is certainly an area of, of growth, uh, but it, it also has to be like in every sort of aspect, right? So right. people make buying decisions based upon life events. And that's actually what we did at Hearsay, which was like, here's a, at the time, it was social signal for a marriage, uh, a new home or whatever that might be. And that allowed for the agent or advisor to connect with that individual to then offer something that would be valuable because that time um, was relevant. So if there's a way to sort of marry that with the like life events or prescriptive life event piece, and then allowing for the the individual to connect with them. And more specifically, because I'm being a little bit vague here, but is data can provide the insights. In your world, in my opinion, the human element is is equally important. So I call it the the human in the loop component, right? So like you can create a lot of models, you can create all this um, great information from data, but how do you give it to people to then create that connection that ultimately leads to more more opportunities in selling it right from new lines of business or whatever that might be um to different products and so forth so and and that includes in like everything that we do so on on my team the agency success team we want to leverage data to say when should we connect with this agent like we don't want to be bothering agents all the time with mm-hmm. stuff that's not relevant or that can't help their business so like how do we better use that those insights about the agency or about um, their business to then connect with them at the right points that make sense to to drive the relationship forward. So, so the exact opposite of what some of the other carriers do, which is just send me a calendar invite and expect me to show up to it. That that's not ideal. I would say. Yeah, I would agree. No, that's awesome. <laughs> and I'll say this too about embedded insurance. The thing I like about embedded insurance is every all of us know you know insurance is not the thing. Right. Nobody wakes up in the morning and is excited to buy an insurance policy. Okay. Insurance is the thing that gets you to the thing. It's the gateway that gets you to that big purchase. Right. You want to buy a house? 
one of the last things you have to do before you buy that house is buy insurance. What I love about embedded insurance is it is the physical embodiment of that. Right. It's, it's, it's that, right. It's, it's embedded in the process. You have to do this to get to this, where I think embedded insurance operations can win and where they're going to lose is if, is the back end. Mm-hmm. Right. It's all great if you make it super easy to buy and it's it's a part of the process. Right. But what's going to happen when you have that claim? Oh, you You're going to want to talk. No idea who to call. Exactly. No idea what to do. You... So I think if you can impair the embedded technology with an agency, yeah, and you give that agent the ability to go work those bit those deals mm-hmm. and embed their technology or mm-hmm. their products or their agency in X Y Z whatever. And then you, so you have the slick front end that it's easy for them to purchase. They don't have to worry about a thing, but you pair that with the advice, knowledge, and support from an agency. That's where I think you can really win with embedded. And and I think the way to do that, and this is one of the things that State Farm does extremely well from their direct side. And we talked about this yesterday over lunch because I've been thinking a lot about this lately. One of the things that State Farm does really well is if you go direct through State Farm, they are going to put that person in an agent's office, mm-hmm. right? Conver- and and with that, another thing they do really well, if a consumer gets on statefarm.com and starts a quote but doesn't finish it, they send that quote information to the local agency in that zip code, yeah. that they whoever they choose, and that agent can then pick that ball up and run with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's where embedded insurance could shine is, yeah, I got 672 documents here I've signed for my mortgage uh, home closing. And part of that maybe is embedded insurance. But five days later, you're getting a phone call from a local agent to say, hey, as part of your closing, you got embedded insurance on your house. I We would just want to make sure you understand if something ever happens, we're your agency. Right. Right. And maybe you send them some marketing material and uh, refrigerator magnet or something, <laughs> something that, you know, they can look at and go, okay, we've got a claim now. Yeah. I know who to call. Right. And that's where the embedded insurance could really shine is if you picked up that back end that you were mm-hmm. talking about, because uh, that's what they're going to miss. Right. Everybody's so focused on, you know, we're going to cut the agent out. We're going to do embedded uh-huh. insurance. Okay. What you going to do on the back end? Cause they have no clue who to call right. or what to do. Right. You know, that's going to happen. But, and I do agree though, Brad, from a data standpoint, I mean, it, it does feel like there's been a lot of people that have missed the mark on using that data correctly. Uh, so I do see that from a 30,000 foot view, the first company that really takes advantage of that is going to do well. There's yeah. a huge opportunity there for that. Yeah, Brad, yeah. I got Go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. You know, sorry. On the, uh, the on key on the embedded though, is that it's, you have to have choice there too, because if it's right. just a single solution, right. that's where, that's where the agent and advisor has the ability to connect and say, listen, all things are not created equal, right? right. The quote on this is, you know, the coverage right. is this. And so that's, that's, I think where, again, the human in the loop aspect of yes, very convenient at the point of purchase, but then the conversation afterwards of, here are the coverages. Here's why this is different. Here's the price. And then, and then you close that, that business, but they don't have to think about it in the process more of just like under the consumer doesn't have to think about quoting it. They just say like, all right, I'm going to choose the best one when I'm consulted with, with my advisor. Yeah, correct. Yeah. It only wins to me. Embedded doesn't work if it's just a one carrier option. It's no. got to be multiple it, it, because, exactly. because, because every carrier is in the cycle of insurance, correct? And so your embedded option, if it's only 
one carrier at the time of purchase, maybe they've got the best rate in your particular area. Two or three years later, they decide they want to shrink. Mm -hmm. So now that $1,500 you paid at your closing is $3,500. And you're like, what the hell? This keeps going up. So, so there's some disjointness going on there, right? Um, I could see that happening. You're correct on that. Hey, Brad, I got a question for you. Short-term to mid-term future for InsureTechs, and I know this is painting with a pretty broad brush, but you've been in this world for a long time. Where do you see over the next five years InsureTechs going? And we may have already covered some of this ground. Yeah, and so I sort of bifurcate this into two areas, which is the the insurance tech insurance technology type companies and then the like the technology companies that enable the the whole work stream whether that's agency uh channel or carrier channel and so forth so i, I have a view there there is a ton of capital and this is not my view this is more of like a, just an understanding of the market engine. there's a ton of capital that's sitting on the sidelines right now ready to go to work and and invested overall this is the venture capital space in general and I think after you see some normalization from an inflation standpoint and so forth, from a macro sense, you're going to see that money start to flow back into our space. Okay. So you saw like a contraction a little bit here for a little bit, but I think you're going to see more money flowing back into space just as a function of there's a ton of capital ready to get put to work. Right. You're just waiting for the right time. In the insurance technology space, sort of where, where we play it openly, it is... And maybe the, this is a self-centered viewpoint, but is very much the company that understands insurance and the technology piece. Mm -hmm. You have to have both to be successful. Um, and I think we are very well leveraged to in position to do that. And we have very clear goals and ambitions of being the number one carrier distributed through the independent agent channel or the agency channel. So I think that'll be key. And then longer term, and you're already starting to see the second wave of in insurance technology companies being more focused on the insurance expertise. In fact, you see some of the companies, and I won't name names, but bringing in folks from the industry now yep. as a way to try to catch up a little bit um, because <clears throat> you need that you need that context or that that experience. And then on the sort of technology providers to agencies or to carriers, again, you're going to see like very concentrated first use cases deployed. And the only way you expand in this space is you are successful. Mm -hmm. So you solve one problem and then you go to the next one and then you right. solve that and you're successful. And then you solve the, and those companies that can do that over and over again, will will win in the long term. And uh, yeah, so that's sort of my macro view of, of what's going to happen in the space. I thought y'all did a really good job. Uh, we interviewed, I believe the CEO of openly Ty, not? Yeah. Ty. And one of the things he mentioned is when he started openly founded openly, his business partner came from the agency side of insurance. Exactly. And if there's one thing I could tell to anybody out there, that's looking to start an insure tech relative to agencies and going, you know, going in that direction, is you have got to bring in a partner that has that that context and that years of experience in the insurance space to kind of help you navigate those waters and stop you before you did make a big mistake. Because if you don't have that person as a partner or in some way employed 
uh, by your insure tech, there may not be anybody there to stop you from running into the wall. Mm-hmm. And then you see that happen quite frequently. And I think that was one of the areas that y'all did a great job of was marrying technology with an, a blend of an agency perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I would, I would even take it a step further. And Matt is a, our co-founder is a brilliant guy. He started an agency and, and yes, has that. And then Ty had the product experience having right. run product at a large carrier. And one of the things that uh, we had our, our first agency council in October and like I was just asking questions to an agency partner at one of the dinners and he stopped and he's like, I need to think of, like, I asked him a question, like, I don't know what, I forgot even what the question was, but he stopped. He's like, you know, I'm just so baffled right now. I don't get those questions from other companies. Like they don't even ask the question, let alone. And that's where I think we, as in my team and a broader, as from a broader openly perspective, we find it incredibly valuable to get insights from the field. And we're not going to act on everything. We can't act on everything. But like even asking the question of what do you think about this is like a very basic first step mm-hmm. that we want to continue to make a continued part of our practice to get better and better over time. So it's it's sort of unfortunate a little bit, I would say, that that you're our customer, right? Ultimately, I always view this from a strategy perspective. You are our customer. You work with end consumers to sell our product. You are our customer. If we're not serving you right, if we're not understanding your needs, we're never going to be successful. And that's where a lot of carriers miss the mark. They don't have that perspective. When you approach things from that angle, it's much better than approaching it from the opposite, which is what a lot of carriers, I feel they they look at the customer as their customer and we're just like a necessary evil. But the great news is Scott has a solution. So here we go, guys. For every major carrier out there, Ty, I hope you're listening to this. Here's what I'm going to offer. Let all of your upper management as either part of their hiring process or at any time, at any time, and I can get any major carrier a list of agencies across the country to choose from, we will allow you to come in and work in our agency for one week. <laughs> and then work it openly for another week. And that way you can gain the perspective of what it's like to be on that side of the aisle as you're working with this, you know, as a, in a managerial mm-hmm. role with a major carrier. I think that's a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. I think that's wonderful. I think we need to start doing that. Mm-hmm. Upper management I, I, from every carrier gets to come in and work at iProtect for one week. I wholeheartedly agree. And to be, to be honest, I think y'all, I think about this a lot. You are running a business where you're managing relationship with what, 10, 12 carrier partners. Correct. You are managing payroll. You are trying to sell business. You are working I like your, your HR, your everything. It's a hard job. Like it is, it is, you you under underrepresented from a small business owner perspective of how much you have to do to be successful. Mm-hmm. And the more we can make it easier to do business with you and to help you protect your customers. That's our end goal in giving consumers choice. So kudos to all the agents on this call. Like it is not an easy job to run a business, run a family, run, <laughs> manage your insurance and all that fun stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, and, kudos and, to all the agents on this, on this call. Not to mention the fact, the bigger you get the, and Bradley and I just did a podcast more, more on this a couple of weeks ago uh, where he talked about, 
reaching this point, and I'm I'm at that point as well where you're you're running you're you're working on the business instead of in the business because when every agent starts from less than scratch, you're working in the business, and then over mm-hmm. the years you end up hiring people and you grow and you get more of a a corporate structure and you end up working on the business. But I'm telling you, you talk about school of hard knocks, getting to come into an agency and shadow an account manager for one day, a salesperson for another day, a claims manager for one day, the agency owner for one day. I mean, you, you, you could take five days, uh, eight hour days, man. You, you could go back to the carrier that you represent and have a pretty good yeah. baseline knowledge of, I know what these people do every day. Now right. I got it. I, I, I think that's a brilliant idea. Brad, I want you to leave these agents with something relative to openly 2023. Uh, there are going to be a couple of agents whose ears probably perk up. If mm-hmm. you know what states that you may not be in now, maybe you're y'all are done with that, mm-hmm. but what states you might be opening up to in 2023 mm-hmm. and kind of what the overall plan is for openly in 2023. And, we'll leave it. And with I, that. I posted this on my story and already have agents asking when this is coming out. So, oh, Okay. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, perfect. So from, uh, and hopefully I don't get in in too much trouble for this, but we have. And by the way, guys, everybody listening, this is an approximation. He's not going to say like January 15th, we're coming to blah, blah, blah state. So just know that. No, January 15th at 3.30 PM. We're going (laughs) to. I know in all seriousness, we will continue our footprint growth. Uh, in the U.S. market in 2023, you're going to see we currently have, I think it's end of Q1-ish is Virginia. Okay. Um, and we are actively in the process of looking at partners um, there. And uh, and then beyond that, we have, I'm trying to think of the, the list of a couple of small Northeast states as well. Um and then we have some big ones toward the end of the year, again, East Coast. So if you think of two two bigger uh, states within the Northeast, um, those are likely end of next year-ish. So less, less new states rolling out for us, um, uh, given the fact that we're in, what, 21 states right now, and uh, we feel like we're, we're sort of well penetrated throughout the market. We won't and, and uh, many of you all know this, Florida and California are off the table for a long, no. long time. Thank, I was no, thinking thank God. we're going to be in Florida next no. year. As a non-Florida agent, I don't want you in Florida. I don't even think Citizens <laughs> wants to be in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> well, truth be told, so uh, you talked about that Fort Myers. My parents had a total loss in uh, Bonita from that from that really? hurricane. So I bet. We, we lived the reality of uh, – Luckily, they had some insurance, but um, hey, yeah. I, can, can we do secret time for real quick? Secret time, nobody's gonna hear this. It's okay. just me and you. It's me and you, Brad. <laughs> of your twenty-one states, which one's the worst performing? Uh, I, want, I don't even know if he can say that or not. If I don't can, even. We won't. I don't even. Uh, in terms of what, what, what metrics? Just overall uh, loss ratio, uh, combined ratio. Like when, when uh, y'all, because I know somebody there's like. Top to bottom, here's our best performing. Here's our somebody's got to know that, right? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And I'm just Tennessee. I bet Tennessee. Top of my head, I'm, I'm going to guess Tennessee too. I, I think Bradley's right. I was going to say Tennessee. It was, it it was December of last year where it was a tough. There was a tough. Uh, they had some storms in that area, right? Well, so there you go. We'll say Tennessee. Let's just say Tennessee. 
Great job, CJ. Way to screw it up. <laughs> Brad, thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate oh, you. Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it. Hey, you got an open invitation anytime, brother. And uh, let's stay in touch. We never know what the future is going to hold. And uh, when Bradley and I come up with our new InsureTech that's going to cover that white space we talked about earlier, we're going to we're going to angle to have you come in as our CEO and run that thing. <laughs> I don't so, know if I'm capable of CEO, but uh, we can definitely talk, uh, go to market strategy for sure. I, I understand. <laughs> guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. And as I end every episode, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Stop running TPS reports. Stop looking at your damn scorecard bonus. Stop doing a bunch of shit that doesn't matter and go out there and build relationships. Become the mayor of your village. You want every single person where you live to know that you are the insurance guy or girl in their community that you need to get insurance from. Make money for your wife, for your husband, for your kid's college fund, and for your parents that are struggling out there. Let that be your why and go out there today and live the life that Bradley Flowers, Brad, and myself know that you deserve to live. Write great business for the companies that you represent and write great business for the agencies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Brad. Cheers, Dad. See you guys. Guys, you were listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family. And we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. We thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.